message for today. I want to talk to us today for a few minutes about the feeling of being overwhelmed. I kind of feel overwhelmed with all these announcements, um, to be honest, but uh, the feeling of being overwhelmed. And you, you may say, Pastor, I'm stressed all the time. How do I know I'm being overwhelmed? How do I know what's overwhelming me? If you wake up with something on your mind, with a person, a situation, a problem, a job, and then throughout the day when you get still and kind of quiet, that thing comes back again, you're thinking about it again, and then you get still later on in the day and that thing comes back again, and then when you lay your head down at night, you can't hardly sleep because of that, there's a good chance that that, whatever it is, is overwhelming you. And after a while, you get into a danger zone. And then after a while, it begins to affect your health. It begins to affect your mind, and it begins to affect your behavior. It begins to affect your relationships and everything. So this is an important, important thing. I've gotten into a habit, and I, I like it, of just being transparent with you. Ah, that's new, isn't it? That the preacher would be, you know, honest. Um, sorry. I go through these things as well. And one of the things that is at times overwhelming to me is this. Standing behind this sacred desk can be overwhelming because I'm speaking for God. And I want so badly for you to receive and for it to go deep into your family, into your heart, change your life, and for you to use it and for it to help you. And that is very heavy. But it's my calling, and I'm so thankful to God for it that I've connected to that purpose in my life. So while I'm thankful for it, it can still be overwhelming because my personality is in, you know, things like, hey, you know, we we had a a Sunday where not as many people showed up. I'm just like Monday, I'm like, ah! Or the giving was down, ah! You know, I take it all in. That's who I am. That's how I'm wired. And it can be overwhelming. And so believe me when I say these messages that I get and that I write, I preach to myself first. We're all in this thing together. So I want us to look together at a story in the Old Testament where the people of Judah were in an overwhelming situation. Actually, it was an impossible situation. But their leader, King Jehoshaphat, did five things to lead them through this overwhelming, impossible situation. And the amazing thing about the word of God, this happened 2,500 years ago, and yet it is still valid today. It will still work today. So I want you to to do do something for me. Take notes. This is going to be a note-taking day. We're going to go in line upon line. This is my favorite way to preach. I like to do topical messages, and I like to do that. But if you want me to be honest, I love to preach the word of God line upon line. It's my favorite way to preach, and that's the way today's going to be. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. It says, after this, now time out, what's the this? The this was a, a, a campaign of godliness that Jehoshaphat, who was a rare godly king. This time period, most of the kings were evil. 
But he was a godly king, and he went through his kingdom of Judah, and he encouraged his people in the Lord. He encouraged his leaders to teach godliness and to live a godly life. And so he went through all his kingdom doing this, and when he got back, this is what it's talking about. After this campaign, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Minyanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat a vast army. Okay, time out. Did you get the the fact that this is three nations? Three nations coming together as one humongous army that is going to come against the nation, a small nation of Judah. So a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. And this was another name for En Gedi. So this is the way it happens so often. God does something amazing in our life or God does something through us or in us or for us and we're on the victory lap. We're like, woohoo, this thing's not so hard after all. And bam, the attack comes. Why does it seem like it always comes right there? Because Satan wants to stop any momentum that you have for the kingdom of God. He wants to overwhelm it. He wants to smother it before it can ever get going. And that's what's happened in this situation. Jehoshaphat was a godly king. And he's come around and he's preached to all of his people to be godly. It was a great moment and that's what happens. Just as he was returning, this attack comes. Verse three, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So number one, the first thing we should do if we feel overwhelmed is turn to God first. Somebody say first. Turn to God first. Too often when something happens, we start messing with it. We start trying to fix it. Come on, how many fixers are in the house? That's your personality. Immediately, you begin to mess with it and fix it and worry about it. I'm sorry, Mom. She's here in the house today. She knew I was going to... Let's welcome my mom. She's here today and her friend. I couldn't help it. I was that close to not saying anything. She said, please don't say anything about me being here. But my mom is, is one of the, she's a hero of the faith. There's no doubt about it. But she, worry. She's always had that, that issue in, uh, you know, one of those things. But who, who doesn't? We get into these things and the, the stuff happens and we start messing with it. We start worrying about it. And it begins to overwhelm us. How many have ever heard a national leader say, <laughs> there's nothing left to do now but totally backwards? totally stupid. The first thing we should do is pray. The first thing we should do is turn it over to God. Now, remember I told you that I had to preach this to myself. I had not, five minutes had not gone by that I finished this message. Five minutes. It's amazing how you get tested on stuff that you're about to preach and teach it. Am I right? (laughs) Five minutes go by. I'm still sitting in my chair. And I get a ding email, and it's something concerning the church, and it wasn't a positive thing, and, I, and it hit me, and I'm like, immediately I begin to think how I can fix it. I had just written this down. 
And I, and it wasn't, I, I wish I could say it was like 30 seconds and I came to my seat. No, no, no. I'm over there, you know, making phone calls, text, and all this stuff. And the Holy Spirit had to arrest me. In my words, and he didn't, he wasn't this harsh, but you idiot. You just wrote the answer. Turn to me. Give this to me and quit trying to solve it on your own. Jehoshaphat had three nations invading. Three nations invading, but he didn't call his army. He didn't call together his advisors. Come on. He called on the name of the Lord first. He fasted. He prayed. And then he had his people to fast and to pray with him. Listen, when you feel overwhelmed, the first thing you should do is turn it over to God. Jesus said, cast your cares, what? On me. Why? Because I care for you. We have a loving Savior who has told us, don't carry this thing on your own. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. Listen to this quote by Rick Warren. Never let a problem intimidate you. Let it motivate you to pray more. You need to take a picture of that, put it on social media, write it down. Do so, I want, I, I'd love to have 100 people put that on social media today. Do not let a problem intimidate you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Let it motivate you to pray more. That's good stuff. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God in heaven. You are ruler over all kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Number two on our list, the second thing we must do if we feel overwhelmed is focus on God and not the problem. Focus on God and not the problem. That's how David, the little teenage boy David, scrawny David, was able to defeat the professional nine-foot warrior, Goliath. He went out and he did not compare himself to, to Goliath. He compared Goliath to God and he realized there was nothing. There was no comparison. When he came against Goliath, he said, I don't come against you with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And today he hands you over into my hands. You're going to die, boy. You're going to die. But it's going to be God. He's going to get the glory and not me. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on God. That's how Peter, he stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. How did he do that? As long as he kept his eyes focused on Christ, he walked on the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, as soon as he began to focus on the wind and the waves and the problem, it became overwhelming and he went down. He went down. Verse 7. Oh, our God. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Listen to what he's doing right here. 
Jehoshaphat was intentionally recalling what God had already done. He wasn't reminding God. God knew it. He was reminding himself. It was an exercise of faith to build himself up, to encourage himself, and then to encourage his people. Look on the board. When we remember what God has already done in the past, it raises our level of faith for what he will do in the future. Come on. Come on. Has anybody ever been healed? Raise your hand. Has anybody ever had God help you in your finances? Raise your hand. Has anybody ever had God promote you in a job or give you a job? Has anybody ever had God deal with your children? Come on and do something, a miracle in your children. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm trying to help us right now and build our faith. There's an old song that says, he'll do it again. Why? Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it before, he'll do it again. And so when we think about that and we're reminded of the victories we've had in the past, it raises our our faith for the future. Let's skip to verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? Listen to what he says here. We are powerless against this mighty army. We do not know what to do. Anybody feel, ever feel that way? We do not know what to do but we are looking to you for help. The third thing we need to do if we feel overwhelmed is admit our inability to rescue ourselves. Admit our inability. He says we are powerless. In other words, God, if you don't do it, if you don't rescue us, we're goners. It's over. It's over. Now, this is not easy to do, especially if you're a fixer. Again, going back to that same principle, we want to keep messing with it. We don't want to admit that we're going down. <laughs> we don't want to admit that we're not, we're not helping the situation. It's, it's like it reminded me of taking kids to go fishing, little kids. I used to work at the Y, you know, 100 years ago. And that's actually where Kathy and I kind of met on this different story for a different day. She was dating somebody else at the time, but when she got a load of... Another day, another, another sermon. Got to leave you wanting more, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, now what was I even saying? No, we, we, we would take the kids fishing for the summer camp. Okay, we take the kids fishing, and you take them out there, and you can forget fishing yourself. You can forget it. You take them out there with these little, you know, rods and reels, and you, you get them going, you sh- cast it out, you show them what to do, and it's like five minutes, and you come back to check them, and there's like a bird's nest on top of that reel, and you're like, what? How did, what? How did you do that? And what happened was they got something a little bit wrong and they kept trying to mess with it and fix it and they didn't know how and they didn't ask for help and suddenly it's so bad that you just have to cut it and start over again. Oh, that'll preach all day and twice on Sunday. We try to mess with it and it gets so bad that at some point you just got to clip it. Oh my goodness. I should, that's another message right there. My word, I write a book. Well, that's, that's exactly the way we are at some points. Let's look at verse 13. 
as all the men of Judah stood before the Lamb. Oh, wait, all right. This is one of my favorite parts. You've got to see this. You've got to envision what's happening right here. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. You know, you've got to picture this because see what's about to happen if this invading army comes in? They're not just getting evicted. They don't just go, oh, drat, we lost, and they have to leave. No, no, no. If this army prevails that's coming against them, more than likely every male in that community, in that kingdom, that's teenage years or older, will be slaughtered. And everyone else taken into captivity as slaves. They are on the threshold, the precipice to annihilation. And they're standing, come on, God. They're standing together. Men with their wives and their little children. This is the picture. This is what's happening. This is not a fairy tale. This really happened. They're standing together. Verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Skip to verse 15. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehovah. He was so confident that he was telling the king to listen. That didn't happen. You could be killed for saying, hey, king, listen to me. You, I mean, they offered this head, you know, type of thing. But this was a different situation. And they were all very sensitive to what God was about to do. And so everyone listens. And he, he said, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Let me tell you what's happening. God is answering their prayer. God is coming through. God has heard them, and he is speaking through this young man. And what is his answer? What's God's answer? Do not be afraid. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Amen. Do you want to know, do you want to know why you're tired all the time? Do you want to know why a day off doesn't help? Do you want to know why sleeping in on Saturday, if you get the chance, doesn't help? Do you want to know why a vacation even doesn't help? Because you are fighting battles you were never meant to fight. You are doing this, these things that you were never meant. It is God's battle. You are his child and he wants to take care of you and he wants to stand before you. He wants to go before you and beside you and behind you and fight the battles for you, but we don't let him. You are tired and you are downcast and you are depressed and you are overwhelmed because you're fighting battles that were never meant for you. Imagine you're on a jumbo jet. I'm talking the, the big 747. Anybody ever flown on a 747? I got to one time from Amsterdam to South Africa. These, you know, you, most of you have probably flown and you, you go down the, the, the gangway and, you know, you get on the plane. These, this, this, this jet is so big, there's two of those. They're massive. 
Okay, so say you're on this, this, this 747 and you're taxiing to take off. The stewardesses have all sat down and they're strapped in, they're ready to go and you get the okay for takeoff and you feel and hear these engines begin to just roar. I mean, you can feel it. They're huge. And then you start to rocket down the runway. And as you start to rocket down the runway, the guy sitting next to you unbuckles and gets out in the middle aisle and starts going. Dude, what are you doing? You're going to get us arrested. What are you doing? I've got a flap so we can take off. If I don't flap, we're going to go down. We're not going to take it. Ridiculous, right? Looney bin, right? Change your seat, right? But it is just as ridiculous for us to try to be God. And that's exactly what we're doing. When we try to fight battles that aren't ours. I got it, God, I got it. God is roaring, God is moving, God is moving in the situation. He's begging, please just let me have this. I got it. And we we wear ourselves. Turn to somebody and say, stop flapping. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. That's for somebody this morning. Be still. Stop flapping. I've got this. I am God and you are not. Didn't you, didn't you just preach that? No. Thank you. That's yours. I give it to you. I can use it. Thank you. I will skip to verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Now listen to this. Listen to how this this happens. On the way, okay, they're on the way to meet this vast army. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets and you will succeed. Listen, sometimes I don't care how powerful the service or how powerful the altar call on Sunday or how great the word was and you took it. I mean, you received it. You were like, that was for me. I'm never going to struggle with this again. Monday comes and you're like, oh, and suddenly doubt creeps back in and you're back to ground zero with zero faith again. They had just, Receive the word of the Lord. Do not fear. The battle is not yours. And I think what's happened here is as they were actually the next day, time had gone by, and they were moving out to the battlefield. I, I can just see it. Jehoshaphat's hearing conversations around him. Little, little conversations, a little bit of doubt around him. And he just stops the whole procession. A good leader knows when to do that. Just stops the whole thing and reminds them they have heard from the Lord. You have heard from the Lord. And we have to do the same thing in our life. I can't tell you how many times I've written a message. <laughs> I mean, I am like 
as I'm writing, I'm like having church. I'm like, woo, glory, this is going to be good. We're going to have church Sunday. And then I get up and begin to study Sunday morning or the next day, and I'm like, oh, my God, what, was, what is this? And doubt starts to creep in, and you just got to stomp on that junk. You've got to rely and believe, I heard from the Lord. I got a message from the Lord, and the enemy is not going to steal it from me. Hallelujah. Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. The praise team and the band went out first. How about that? Woo! I'm good with that. I used to be the worship leader, so now I'm on the other side. I'm like, yeah, y'all go. Y'all go fight. This is where Judah gets the name praise. Praise went out first. And what did they sing? They sang, give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. To the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. Now, that's probably not the song choice that I would have come up with. I mean, I would have been like, we will, we will rock you, uh, rock you. Yeah, I mean, you're going to battle, right? Come on. I'm thinking, you know, that, I want them to hear us coming and be like, woo. <laughs> they weren't focused on the enemy. Quit talking about the devil. Quit talking about what he's doing and give glory to God. Give thanks to God. Start focusing on him and not what the devil's doing in your life. Talk about what God is doing in your life. Give thanks to God and focus on him and not the enemy. My God, that is powerful. We need to hear that today. So the fourth principle, the fourth thing we need to do if we're feeling overwhelmed is before the battle takes place, thank God in advance for the victory. Thank him in advance for the victory. That's faith. Thank him in advance. And how do we do it? We do it through praise. The best way to, because we're not on a physical, it feels like it sometimes that we're on a physical battlefield, but we're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual battle, and our best weapon is praise. Our best, you say, Pastor, I can't sing. I don't care. Get some pots and pans out and start banging them in your kitchen. Say, Satan, get out of here. I'm focusing on God. Bang, bang, bang. Come on. I love the Lord. I'm giving God a a, a praise today. I don't care. I'm thanking God in advance for the victory. Make some noise. Put on a Christian CD. There's power. Why? Because praise will change the atmosphere. Praise will change the atmosphere. Praise ushers in the presence of the Lord. He inhabits the praise of his people. That's the Bible. Praise builds our faith. Praise drives out the darkness. Praise unifies the army. That's what happened. Praise will release us from our depression. Do you understand when we get overwhelmed with life and situations and problems, it leads so often to what? Depression. It's a darkness that covers us and we feel like we're the only ones. We isolated. We're totally, we're just walking and this thing just follows us around no matter where we go because it's overwhelming. Praise will change the atmosphere. About, I don't know how many years ago, I was serving at a church in uh, Tennessee and the pastor was out of town, out of the country. And there was a man who just got out of prison 
And he was really struggling with his faith, dealing with depression, really, really strong. And so I went to visit him. (laughs) I went to his home and I walked in and it was completely dark. Middle of the day. The blinds were pulled. Some of this is gonna sound familiar to somebody. The blinds were pulled. The lights were out. The only light on in the place was the flickering of the television. In about 30 seconds, I was depressed. I ain't lying. I didn't even say anything to him. I just started walking through the house, flipping on lights. I just started walking through the house, flipping on lights. I got to the windows and I opened the blinds, went over to the TV and turned it off. And I said, Stephen, do you, do you have a CD? Do you have a worship CD? Well, I guess so. Put it on because this place reeks of the enemy. This place reeks of darkness and depression. You're never gonna get through this if you end up in an environment like this. You gotta praise to change the atmosphere. Come on, thank God in advance through praise for the victory. Hallelujah. Verse 22. At the very moment, say very moment, they began to, did you get this? At the very instant, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them, and they had, after that, they destroyed the army of Seir. They began to attack each other. Verse 24, so when the army of Judah arrived, folks, they weren't even there yet. They were having a praise fest, and then the army started to destroy each other, so that when they show up, here's what happens. At the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Listen to me. Are you looking? Are you listening? When we finally submit to God, when we finally bow that old knee to his lordship, when we finally give it to God and focus on God instead of the problem, we finally begin to praise God, come on, and thank him in advance for what he's going to do. There will come a moment in time when that thing that is overwhelming you and that problem that threatens to destroy your family, will you will look down and you will find it dead on the floor. It will fall. It will fall in the name of Jesus and it will be dead. Come on. Come on. Somebody let your faith build this morning. Come on. Somebody have a praise moment this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him in advance. Verse 25, we're we're on the home stretch. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days to gather. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which they named that day. Hello, Because the people praised and thanked God the Lord there. It is still called the valley of blessing today. The fifth thing we should do, the last thing, when we feel overwhelmed is find the blessing in the bad. You have to look for it, and it's not easy. But find the blessing. See, this this terrible, overwhelming, impossible, scary, horrific situation that was meant to destroy them became a great blessing to them. God turned it completely around. Let me tell you something. 
There is a blessing attached to what you're going through right now. Let me, let me say it again. Those of you who are right now going through a battle, going through a situation, there is a blessing attached. And in time, God will reveal that and show that to you. If you are faithful, if you believe, if you hang in and allow him to fight and thank him for the victory. Verse 29, we're at the end. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard, everybody say heard, that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. I love that. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him the rest, him rest on every side. This is a huge truth. Look at this on the board. When you begin to walking in the valley of blessing, everyone will notice. When you begin walking in this blessing, everyone will notice. Why? Pay attention. Now, this, this is, to me, so important. Why will they notice? Because the people around you know what you were going through. The people around you know what you've been walking through. Come on. And suddenly, it's not affecting you like it was. Suddenly, it's not overwhelming you like it was. They may be walking through the same thing. Why is it affecting me and not you anymore? I promise you, I promise you, they will notice. Whether they're a Christian or not they will notice and then is that is that the great thing is that the no 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 the big idea for today and what's so exciting listen your overwhelming trial becomes your undeniable testimony of God's grace and power when God brings you through come on when God brings you through, it's undeniable. It's undeniable because you couldn't have done it by yourself. You could not do this and people know it. It's undeniable that it's God and it becomes a testimony of his power and his grace. Are we done yet? No, that's not the biggest blessing. The biggest blessing is then you take that testimony. You take what God has done in your life and then you turn around and you help somebody coming behind you who's going through the same thing and you say, listen, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I know exactly how you feel. But let me tell you what my God can do. My Lord. Hallelujah. There's no greater honor. No greater feeling in this world that when God uses you to help somebody else.